Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. Conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Sets of Church Leaders podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Daniel Yang, National Director of Churches of Welcome at World Relief. And today we have a special episode for you featuring interviews with Greg Smith, Associate Director of Research at Pew Research Center, David Kinneman, CEO of Barna Group, Scott McConnell, Executive Director of Liferay Research, and Frank Newport, Senior Scientist and Former Editor-in-Chief at Gallup. Ed interviewed these experts as part of Faithlytics, our new five-part miniseries we created in partnership with Glue. Glue is the trusted platform helping congregations connect to release the collective might of the church, and Faithlytics will help you stay current on the latest trends in faith and culture so that you can do more effective ministry in your context. What follows are selections with interviews Ed conducted with each of our four guests. You can watch the full video interviews and access the data discussed and other helpful resources with a free Glue account. Visit glue.us slash faithlytics to learn more and sign up today. You can also listen to our first interview in this series with Dr. Ryan Burge at churchleaders.com slash podcast. Before we hear from these experts, we want to remind you that if you're enjoying our interviews, it would help us if you left us a review. Now let's go to Ed Setzer, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and the Dean of the Talbot School of Theology. Today on the first part of Faithletics, we're joined by Greg Smith. Greg is the Associate Director of Research of the Pew Research Center, and he's going to be taking an intentional look of, as, a, uh, as a researcher uh, who's going to be giving us observations, helping us to understand the cultural moment. Uh, the Pew folks don't necessarily jump in and say, here's what I think you should do, or here's what I think the, uh, the best path forward is. They're going to give us good, solid look at these data using research, and they're, they're a well-funded, well-respected research organization. That's why they do really great work. I want to encourage you, I want to affirm the work of the Pew Research Center. And we're going to talk about how does the religious composition of the U.S. population, how has it changed over the past few decades? What factors have contributed to decline in the percentage of Christians identifying as Christians as adults? So, Greg, two-parter, could you tell us more about Pew, what Pew does, and, and then kind of answer that question about the U.S. population change? Yes, of course. Happy to and happy to be with you. Uh, Pew Research Center is a is a nonpartisan, non-advocacy research organization. We do a lot of different kinds of research. We do demographic research in the United States and all around the world. We do political polling. We do research on the public's attitudes about things like science and technology. And I'm very fortunate I get to work in our religion research unit. And, and I focus specifically on um, religion in the United States. What are the characteristics of religion in the United States? How is it changing? Um, so, so we do a lot of different kinds of research. It's very important to reiterate, as I mentioned, we're strictly nonpartisan, non-advocacy. So what that means in practice is that we don't take positions on public policy issues or on religious issues. We don't, uh, we, we don't uh, for example, take the point of view that religion is good or bad. We definitely think it's important. It's an important factor in American life, and we measure it and monitor it and track trends in American religion, but we don't take positions on religious issues. So that's important for, for everybody in the audience to be aware of. Um, we have a lot of data on how religion in the United States is changing. And to put it very simply, it's changing a lot. It has changed a lot over the last several decades. And I would point to two, um, two 
primary ways that religion has changed. Number one, the share of Americans who describe themselves as Christians, who identify with Christian groups, including Protestantism, Catholicism, and smaller groups, the share of Americans who are Christians is declining. Um, uh, a few decades ago, something like eight in 10 or more Americans, when you, when you surveyed them, would have told you that they are Christians. Today, that number stands at closer to six in 10. I believe in our latest data, 63% of U.S. adults told us that they think of themselves as Christians. So that's a big change over the last 30, call it 30 years or so in American life. Now, if Christians are growing, I'm sorry, if Christians are shrinking as a share of the population, it follows that some other group, or possibly many other groups, must be growing. Who, what, what is taking the place of, of that, that shrinking Christian share of the population? And the number one answer to that question is people who don't have any religion. People who describe themselves, when we ask them about their religious identity, people who describe themselves as atheist or agnostic, or as simply nothing in particular with respect to religion. We, we refer to those three groups taken together as the religiously unaffiliated or the religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Very important to stipulate the spelling of that term. Religious nuns have been growing for several decades. They've, they've, um, they've, they've probably quintupled in size or more as a share of the population going back to the late 80s or early 90s. And today, something like three in 10 U.S. adults tell us they are not religious. They are religious nuns when we ask them about their religious identification. So those are the two big twin trends um, uh, shaping uh, religious life in the United States in, in recent years. You know, this is, I mean, clearly somewhat discouraging news for church leaders. The population of American Christians is declining as a percent, and but the number of people with no religious affiliation is actually growing. That's not great news. We get that. We unpack that a little bit more, and there's graphs and charts that, you know, most of you are listening uh, via, via audio because uh, it's a podcast, but if you go to glue.us slash faithlytics, we actually have the charts, the graphs, those kinds of things. And you can actually download, by the way, all the charts and graphs to use in your own ministry and church. So, but the next person we're going to talk to uh, is actually David Kinneman. And I think he'll be encouraged in some, not, he's actually agreeing where we are with some of these declines, but there's some encouraging optimistic signs when he shares about how Americans see Jesus. We have David Kinneman. David is the CEO of the Barna Group. Now, the Barna Group is very well known in the Christian space, particularly evangelical Christian space. I, I work with them. I'm very thankful for the good work that they're doing. They're doing good research, and David's going to talk with us some about how to apply it. What are the ramifications as followers of Jesus and more? So, David, I, I wonder, um, as you, if we kind of talk through some of these things about the nuns and about the struggles, I, I, I know also that we were at a conference recently, David and I were speaking at a conference recently, and he talked about the perceptions of Jesus and, um, and you know, and what should faith leaders really know about who Americans say that Jesus is if decline in church participation, decline in Christian identification, but this interest in Jesus. Tell us about that. Well, it was one of the first statistics when I started uh, working at this company straight out of college in 1995 that struck me uh, as as inconceivable was that seven out of 10 Americans said they had made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ that was still important in their life, which was a close uh, correlation really to the percentage of, of people who identify as Christian, but I didn't quite, hadn't been immersed in the data at that time. <clears throat> and so I think 
what we what we see today is that the number is still 60%. Six out of 10 Americans say they've made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ is still important in their life, which makes sense when you um, add the roughly one in five Americans who have a Catholic background and just under half who have a Protestant background. And so it sort of makes sense that the central hero of their faith would have had some sort of personal impact. And, and really, that's been um, a, a big theme of our research is trying to understand not just Christian identity and Christian practice, but sort of perceptions, awareness, ident identity, even personal connection to people believe that Jesus speaks to them, that, that those kinds of questions we're, we're trying to, you know, peel back the layers. And um, I think this is a, a, an important and positive trend, which is that, you know, despite some of these areas we're talking about in terms of decline, that, um, you know, t tens of millions of Americans, the majority of Americans say they've made a commitment to Christ is still important in their life. And even among those who haven't made that commitment, there's still a lot of positive perceptions of the person of Jesus. So, so we asked a question in October of last year of 2022, do you think that a person named Jesus Christ existed about 2000 years ago, or do you think Jesus was not a real person? And 55% of Americans say they are completely certain that Jesus was a historic person. 25% uh, say they're somewhat certain of that. So again, that's 80% of all Americans who believe Jesus was, was likely to be a real historical figure. Only 9% say they are either somewhat certain or completely certain he was not a real person. And 10%, one in 10, say they've never really thought about it. About 35% of Americans we categorize as having a savior perspective towards Jesus. That is, he was entirely human and fully God. They've made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. They actually believe he will return to earth one day. And they're completely certain he lived on earth uh, at, some, at some point in history about 2,000 years ago. Uh, another 39% we, we categorize as having sort of a partial gospel, a partial savior view. They believe at least one, but not all of those four uh, perspectives. And then only one in four Americans have what we described as a skeptic's view towards Jesus, that there's no way to know if God exists or not, or they're uncertain if Jesus lived, or they believe explicitly that Jesus was a myth, not just a man, or that Jesus was not God. And so I think as, as again, trying to help equip faith leaders with just data, some, you know, sort of uh, points of view towards what's happening in a, the American psyche and in sort of the spiritual perceptions, this idea that people like Jesus, but not the church continues to be a really key theme. And uh, whether identified as Christian or not identified as Christian, there's a lot of positive perceptions of Jesus. He generates a lot of goodwill. Um, even among those who don't necessarily embrace him as Christian leaders might hope that they would uh, as a savior or as, as a, uh, a person to, to devote their lives to. But, but again, Jesus remains a very po positive and, and um, uh, compelling figure in American public life. And I think that represents good news to faith leaders, especially at a moment of spiritual openness. Okay, so we're getting the picture that the number of Christians in the U.S. is declining, but people in general still have a very positive view of Jesus. We have the charts and the graphs for that at glue.us slash faithlytics. And remember, you can download the, the, the charts and the graphs as well, use them in your church and more. So the question I think is, what are some trends in the church itself? You know, how do we look at those? So we're going to hear from Scott McConnell at Lifeway Research and a friend for many years about some of the ways the church has been impacted following the pandemic and really what the recovery looks like from there. 
Well, one of the reasons I got interested and passionate about research is I was asked uh, over a decade ago to lead something called Lifeway Research, almost two decades ago. And so ended up partnering there, serving there for about a decade uh, alongside a fellow researcher by the name of Scott McConnell. And actually, Scott, just to be transparent, I'd go out and show the nice shiny graphs, but Scott McConnell is one of the best researchers that I've had the privilege of interacting with and I had the privilege of working with him for over a decade. And LifeWay Research has been doing some study and some analysis of what's going on with post-COVID reality. So, so Scott, thanks for joining us. Scott McConnell leads LifeWay Research. Scott, uh, walk us through some of what you're seeing in the data and let's talk some about the implications and ramifications for church. Pew, Pew has done a great service in that they're interviewing individual adults. And, and we did that mid-COVID, but they've been kind of tracking it all the way through. And, and they're really seeing just two, 3% differences between those who are uh, attending monthly or more before back in 2019 uh, versus today. And so really only, only a handful of folks have, have stepped away from church completely. And yet we see these average attendance numbers quite a bit lower than that. And so what it means is, is that many churchgoers, uh, and we'll talk in a second about what a regular churchgoer is, but, but many of these churchgoers are attending less often. So when we asked pastors and we asked churchgoers, so what is a regular churchgoer? We just gave them that, that, that phrase, regular churchgoer, what frequency of attendance would, would constitute a regular churchgoer? And among pastors, they, they tend to be a little more pessimistic, a little more cynical. Uh, they look at attendance trends of people who are on their, their church membership or on their roles. And just 16% of pastors said it's somebody who attends weekly. Three in five pastors said it's two times a month or more. When we asked churchgoers, the majority of churchgoers, 59%, indicated a regular churchgoer is somebody who attends weekly or more. So that phrase, regular churchgoers, is still something that most church, most attendees, most people who are thinking about going to church, they're like, that bar is pretty high. It means I'm there every week. And, and yet, in reality, we've got a lot of folks that are not there every week. And they're okay not being a regular churchgoer. And that's a new thing. I, I think in American culture for a long time, if you called yourself a Christian, there was an expectation that you'd be a regular churchgoer or close to it. And, and today, I, th I think the pandemic in, in the temporary nature of churches unplugging for a season, some of them quite a long season, um, really kind of gave people permission to not be in church. And, and while that permission may not have been stated out loud, people picked up on that and they and their habits were broken. So, so some of it's habitual. Some of it is uh, people sense they have permission and, and some church leaders may not have stepped back into saying, no, you need to be in church and, uh, physically. And so, uh, so that definitely there's some mentality changes going on uh, among churchgoers in terms of how often they're in church. And some of that's tied to whether or not they feel like they need to be uh, to be with other believers to follow God. Uh, we, we find that, that two thirds of churchgoers say, I can walk with God without other believers. And so, you know, there, there's a teaching gap there in many churches where, where the importance 
really God's design for following him is an individual has to choose on their own to follow him. Nobody can choose for them. Uh, it's not a group decision. It's an individual choice to follow Jesus Christ. But as soon as you do, you're following with other believers. First uh, John 1, 7 says, if, if we are in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So in the midst of, of describing salvation itself, John immediately talks about we have fellowship with one another, that, that immediately we are with other believers and we should be gathering with other believers. And we see that throughout scripture. And and yet there are, there are many churchgoers that are, are stepping away from that. So as I hope you're seeing, there's there's a lot of practical takeaways from church leaders. That's why we like data. That's why we even called these resources Faithlytics. And we partner together with the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. So you have the Ryan Burge episode, the bridge is over. So some of you have already gone over there, but we wanted to create these resources as well to, to make the bridge between the two. If you go to glue.us slash Faithlytics, you'll see the longer episodes for all of these things as well. So go to uh, glue.us slash Faithlytics. And the final guest in today's episode, remember they're all unpacked there much more in depth, is, is actually Frank Newport. I've known Frank for a while. And as you'll hear, his research um, really kind of unpacks more about what we've already heard about Grace, Greg Smith, from Greg Smith about the nuns and the others about the nuns. But Frank also has some, I think, interesting insights about denominational trends within uh, the churches in North America. Let's take a listen. We're gonna bring in someone who's an expert on this space. His name is Frank Newport. Uh, he's a senior scientist and former uh, editor-in-chief at Gallup. He gonna, he's going to join me. Really thrilled to interview Frank for this series. We've known him for a while. I had him on my TV show back when I had a TV show back in the day. And you'll hear um, the fan that I am as I talk to Frank throughout the episode. So here's my interview, my conversation with him on denominational trends with Frank Newport from Gallup. Uh, yeah, if someone came from Mars and looked at American religion, they would actually spot the broader trend, which is the increase in Americans who have no religious identification at all. And as a survey researcher, uh, as you know, and, and everybody that's watching this or listening to this knows, that means the rise of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. That is when you say, are you Protestant, Catholic, Jewish, Muslim, some other religion? People say, I don't have a religion at all. So that's that's the broader trend that we're looking at. Uh, within that, we have seen the crash of the uh, number of people who identify as Protestants. So when I write about this and look at the data, you see a uptick, a significant increase over the decades in the percent of people who have no religious identification. And that's countered by a almost a one for one decrease in the percent of Americans who say they are Protestants or what I like to say sometimes non-Catholic uh, Christians. The percent who identify as Catholics has stayed remarkably similar. So the nuns, the people with no identification, seems to be coming out of the group of people, uh, formerly about three quarters of Americans, who say they are Protestants or non-denominational Christians. Within all of that, even those who say, I'm a Protestant, or I'm not a Catholic, but I'm otherwise identify as a Christian, we're seeing fewer and fewer people who give a denomination uh, when an interviewer says, all right, what are you? What's your religious identification? So in other words, uh, if you had listened into our Gallup interviews 30, 40 years ago, people would have said, I'm Methodist, I'm Episcopalian, I'm Baptist, uh, I'm Nazarene, I'm Lutheran or what have you. Now, a lot of these same people are saying, uh, I'm Christian. And even if the interviewer probes them and says, well, what kind of Christian are you? Well, uh, I'm really not anything. I'm just a Christian. And that's non-denominational. In other words, you're saying I'm 
uh, a Protestant. I'm not a Catholic. I'm Christian, but I don't have an identification with a specific religious uh, entity or denomination. And within that, uh, those who look at actual churches, uh, you find uh, all the data that I've seen, including more recent data, show a significant increase in the number of churches who don't have a brand name. Unity Church, you know, the Glory Church, you can name thousands of these names that people are adopting, uh, but they don't have a at least an overt identification with a specific denomination. So, so the question then becomes, as people sort of identify you know, more generically, does that mean that they're disconnecting from church or are they going to non-denominational churches or are both of those things going on at the same time? Oh, both of them. Uh, you know, we trend uh, other indicators other than church membership, which is where the nuns come from in our Gallup data and other organizations like Pew Research and others, uh, the General Social Survey and, and, and a lot of other organizations track religion. We're seeing a decrease in the percent of people who respond that they are religious based on other indicators. Uh, the most important of those two are self-reported importance of religion in your daily life. And second is uh, church attendance. And so we are seeing, in answer to your question, some decrease in, in attachment to religion in general, while we're still seeing uh, a number of people who aren't attached to any specific religion, but may still be spiritual and or religion and may, be, and may attend. Let's let's come back to maybe where the audience is, too. So pastors and church leaders, a lot of people working in churches and and what advice and counsel? I'm actually asking you to kind of take off your your social scientist hat alone, but as a social scientist. And pastors and church leaders say, well, what do I what do I need to know? And what does this mean for me as a pastor and church leader? What what would you say to them? Well, I have two thoughts on that. Uh, I'm not sure I would say this to a uh, leader, but I have I have my own theory that doesn't have a lot of data to back it up. But I believe that one of the reasons we are seeing the decline in religiosity in this country is the lack of outstanding religious leaders. Um, there's no question about it that if you look across the religious landscape and find outstanding religious leaders, you find vibrant churches with a large number of members and, and so forth. But we just have fewer, though, fewer of those than we used to. Becoming a pastor or a minister or a priest has become much less in the thought process of our young people coming out of high school and college than it did in the old days. And even many of those who go to seminary today are more interested in social justice and the aspect of religion that might relate to inequality and inequity and racial justice and so forth than they are actually being a, a pastor of a local church, a vibrant minister. So I think in my own Frank Newport theory, I think one of the great issues we have now is the lack of outstanding charismatic religious leaders that are going into religion today, particularly in the mainline denominations. And uh, when we do have charismatic, outstanding religious leaders, what do they tend to do these days? Start their own church, right? And that's one reason we're seeing non-denominational churches. If I'm an entrepreneurial, charismatic, religious leader, um, I'm more inclined these days than at any point in the past, rather than staying as a Presbyterian minister or Episcopalian, I go off and start my own church, uh, which can grow with no constraints and, and what have you, and can grow wildly. Whether that's good or bad is a topic for another discussion, but I think that's partly what's happened. So you, you have a relative paucity of charismatic religious leaders that end up in the traditional denominational structure, and I think that's one of the reasons that that's declining. Now, it's hard to tell a minister that, right? But I would say if you want your church to be more vibrant and have more members, 
become a better better minister, right? Which means a better pulpiteer, do a better job from the pulpit, be better in your interpersonal interactions. People want to minister to be care and loving and caring. And third, you got to you got to manage the church better. So that's hard to tell a minister. So if somebody asked me my advice, I'd say, well, unfortunately. Uh, you know, it's like I want to be an NFL quarterback. Well, you may not have what it takes to really be a great NFL quarterback. And I know, you know, nobody wants to predict the future, but I need you to. I need you to tell me where is this heading? Um, there's some question of whether the nuns have leveled off. Um, you, you even said earlier, might might continue up again. Um, what, do you, what do you see for the for the future to the degree you're comfortable sharing it? Well, I wrote a book in 2012 where I was much more optimistic maybe than I am today. And I talked about God is alive and well was the title of the book. God is alive and well. And I said, well, there's some demographic trends back then because millennials are moving to the point where they're going to have get married and have children. And baby boomers, of which I am one, as we age, have historically become more religious. There are no atheists in foxholes. There are no atheists in nursing homes, right? The older you get, the more you're likely to, to go to religion and so forth. And, and I was seeing some other trends along these same lines, but that doesn't seem to have occurred to this point. So I'm a little trepidatious about making predictions. But the good news is that I think there, uh, that, that religion is powerful and important for society. Now, I'm coming at this as a social scientist. Uh, not as a as a uh, as a minister or, or, or person representing religion, and I'm saying even uh, somebody that's a strictly non-religious outside observer, I think, can argue that religion is very positive not only for individuals but for society in general. Our data are very powerful, and uh, there's a huge amount of data supporting the idea that people who are religious have higher well-being and happiness. And actually, there's data which suggests always controversy about the data, that they're healthier. So just looking at those data, one would say you could just go out and tell people you need to be religious because you're going to be better off for it. Uh, We also, in today's society, I think, need the cohesion and bonding and sense of community that can come from being a part of a religious community. All data show that we're better off if we're members of communities and have friends and family and people that have these strong bonds, stronger bonds that come from church than might come from book uh, book clubs or other kind of organizations. So there's a lot of reasons to think that uh, religion should be and should continue to be a good uh, major part of our American structure here. Now, whether all that's going to actually become known and manifest itself is, is the interesting question. A lot of Americans are spiritual. Even those nuns, research will show that we're talking about, still say, well, I'm, I'm spiritual to some degree. I'm not just an atheist although there are atheists among them. Uh, We've seen the growth of non-denominational churches we're we're telling you about. So there is some positive things going on in religion when people put religion uh, together in a way, worship services and otherwise, it seems to resonate with people. There's a lot of growth there. So we may see growth there as well. So there's some some reasons to think uh, even now that we might have religion continuing to be an important part of our uh, U.S. society going forward. You've been hearing from Greg Smith of Pew Research Center, David Kinneman of Barna Group, Scott McConnell of Lifeway Research, and Frank Newport of Gallup. If you want to watch the full interviews and access the data discussed, head on over to glue.us slash faithlytics to start watching today. Thanks again for listening to the Sets of Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews, including the one that we did with Dr. Ryan Burge, as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcasts. And again, if you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments to leave us a review that'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. 
You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.